Hey y'all, what's up? I'm Simone Rose and you're listening to another episode of the Notebooks and Coffee podcast where we talk about real life and your mental health. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk to several guys about their experiences with mental health. This week, we'll be talking to Mr. Deontay Chavez. Grab your cups and let's talk about it. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. That's that's a suave voice. Okay. So have you listened to the podcast? Yes, I have. What do you think about it? I think it's uh, great what you're doing because I think that um, a lot of people, especially in the uh, black community, mm-hmm. we don't address mental health um, like we should, as often as we should. I think it's getting a lot better, but I think the more that people see other people willing to talk about their experiences and not be afraid of being judged and things like that will help people open up more and not be afraid to be vulnerable. So what you're doing is like encouraging other people to deal with their issues and um, hopefully feel better and uh, live much healthier and uh, um, greater lives. Okay, I'll take that. (laughs) I didn't want to have to cut the interview short. I'll take that. So what about the podcast made you want to share your personal experiences with mental health? So I just wanted to be able to contribute. Mm-hmm. One, because, um, you know, when people see someone doing something that they really like mm-hmm. or something that they support or something that they feel like is a great idea, you know, you want to encourage people to continue doing what they're doing. And I think the well, one of the best ways to do that is to actually actually contribute to what they're doing. And um, when you had an opening for men to talk about, you know, their mental health, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to contribute and um, do whatever I can to to help the process and hopefully, you know, encourage other men to talk about, you know, their issues because we have a lot of them as a black man that we do not discuss at all. Okay, so tell me, tell me about one of yours that stands out to you, like when you realize that you dealt with mental health issues. Wow. Um, I would say one of my biggest ones when it comes to mental health is dealing with um, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. which I dealt with for a number of years. Um, even going to uh, therapy Mm -hmm. uh, every week and even being on medication. And uh, for the longest time, I was battling depression and anxiety for years Mm -hmm. and didn't really realize it until someone suggested that I go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. And once I started talking to a therapist, everything that was coming out and the feedback I was getting from her, like really opened up my eyes and helped me see clearly that, yeah, I had some serious issues within myself that I needed to address to make me a better person and definitely a better father. So I tell anybody that going to therapy and talking about my issues and that I'm still dealing with some of them, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's one of the best things I've ever done. You say still dealing with some, so you suffer from PTSD? I feel like, uh, so I was in the military for 20 years and I retired. Mm -hmm. So typically when people talk about PTSD, they talk about it from 
a military standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, in regards to the military. But I would say very little of any PTSD that I go through actually comes from the military. I would mm-hmm. say most of it comes from events or things that I went through, like in childhood, personal life, mm-hmm. things of that nature. And I think most people don't realize that people get PTSD or have, you know, those traumatic events more so in a personal life or growing up than they would do, you know, um, serving in the military, except for people who obviously may have been in, uh, you know, uh, multiple gun battles and seeing a lot of violence and trauma on the battlefield, which luckily I've never had to go through. Mm. I don't think I could do that either. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay, so talk to me more about your, your depression and anxiety. So I um had depression and anxiety because the biggest thing for me at that, that point in time that I was dealing with was I was in the military and uh, I was stationed in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was about three years out from retiring. I knew I was going to retire. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was uh, I was married, and my marriage was like really shaky, and you know it was like it really wasn't in a good place. Mm-hmm. And um, so my wife at the time she moved from Florida back up to uh, Maryland, and I was still in Florida, and we just had a newborn baby. And uh, we also had a toddler at the time, and we also had a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so for those three years, I was away from my children. So that was my biggest uh, um, source of uh, you know depression and anxiety, being away from my children because you know they're the most important people mm-hmm. to me in the world. And especially with my two youngest being so young, it was hard for me to not be able to see them every day, not be able to experience life with them every day. And even though you do like FaceTime and, you know, phone calls and all that, it doesn't. It's not the same. Right. It's no comparison to actually being able to just hug your kid or kiss your kid or go outside and, you know, ride a bike with them or play ball with them or whatever. It's just no comparison. So, you know, I was deeply depressed. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wasn't doing anything. I would go to work and I would come home and just be in my house. And that's it. Like, I wasn't, like, going to the gym. Um, I wasn't uh, going to hang out. And the crazy thing is I was in, I was stationed in uh, Miami, which is, like, one of the biggest party places. And you ain't go out in Miami? I wasn't going out at all. I wasn't going out at all. I was, you know basically like always in the house and like just by myself like mm. i would go home and i didn't even notice but i wasn't even turning on lights like mm. i would be home and you know just watching tv but i wouldn't turn dark. on lights yeah i'll be in the dark like the whole time you know it was it just became my routine and uh i started thinking one day like damn you know a lot of things that i used to enjoy i, I used to do I don't do those things anymore. And, uh, you know, just talking with different people about, you know, what I was going through. And someone said, you know, you should probably go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I ended up doing that. And, uh, definitely helped me. 
Okay, so outside of therapy, what else have you found that's helped you cope? So a lot of people were skeptical of therapy, and I, and, and I was one of the biggest skeptics of therapy, too. Like, I just felt like, how can I go talk to someone I don't know about my problems? They don't know me. That's the easiest person to talk to is somebody that don't know you. Right, right. But you're thinking that you don't have a level of trust with that person. Mm-hmm. Like, even though their job title or, or description or whatever says that everything that you say to them, unless you say, like, you're going to kill yourself or you're going to kill someone else, mm-hmm. is confidential. And, and they have to keep that, you know, between the two of you. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, that thought of exposing my intimate thoughts, you know, and, and feelings to somebody I don't know. And make myself like vulnerable to them is I can't do that. You know, it's, it's hard. And especially, you know, I feel like in in, in our community, you know, we are, we grow up like with this automatic, you don't trust anybody that you don't know. Yep. You know, so. And you don't talk about your problems either. Right. Right. You, you keep your dirty laundry, you know, in your house, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever's going on, you, find a way to cope with it and deal with it, you know, within yourself or within your own, your own house. Um, So I just had a lot of apprehension when it came to going to therapy and and at first, and you know, I just, I just wasn't trying to do it. So some other ways that, you know, outside of therapy is, um, I feel like you need to have at least one person, whoever that person is, that you trust mm-hmm. and um, that you can share, you know, what, what somebody that's not going to judge you, somebody that's not going to feed your negative, um, your negative feelings or your negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Someone who's going to see you in a dark place or a negative place and try to pull you out of that place mm-hmm. and not feed that, you know, Somebody who, if you go to them and say, you know, um, this person is getting on my nerves. I want to go hurt them. Mm-hmm. You don't need somebody that's going to be like. With the shits. Yeah. You don't need somebody that's going to be like, nah, yeah, you should. You should do that. <laughs> you should do this. You should hurt them this way. You, you know, you need somebody that's going to be like, whoa, you know, um, don't do that. Because if you do that, you know, these are possible consequences and you can make a, a already bad situation worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Luckily, I had people that I could talk to outside of, you know, going to a therapist Mm -hmm. that I could talk to that would give me that positive reinforcement and that positive encouragement to be like, you know, don't feed into that, those negative thoughts, those negative, you know, vibes, but, you know, have faith in yourself to do the right things and, and, uh, you know, know that you're on the right path and everything in the end will work itself out one way or the other and just having that constant um reinforcement positive mm-hmm. reinforcement you know really really helped me yeah i always say you gotta watch the company you keep that's true like misery loves company it does and you gotta watch the company that you keep because if you're depressed and somebody else is depressed that person is always gonna like try to suck you dry just to keep you in that negative headspace 
And you know, one of the things that became clear to me once I started to get a grasp on my own mental health is I started to notice other people are dealing with a lot of shit mm-hmm. that I was dealing with. Yep. Because now when I started coming out of it, I could see little signs in other people mm-hmm. that they were dealing with stuff. You know, they were dealing with depression. They were dealing with anxiety. They were they was dealing with PTSD. They were always on edge. They were always quick tempered. They were always, you know, negative. Mm-hmm. When you really like notice people, everything is negative that that comes out of their mouth. You tell them something, even you could tell them something positive, mm-hmm. and and the, and the first thing they'll say out of their mouth is something negative. You they'll just, flip it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first, you could tell them, hey, I just started the business. And the first thing out of their mouth would be like, oh, that's good, but um, you better hope people support you. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, right off the bat. like, mm-hmm. it's, it's And that's because they're dealing with something within themselves. That's a reflection of what they're dealing with. And, you know, I could, I could see that stuff like a lot clearer now that I went through my own problems, my own issues. Mm-hmm. I can definitely identify it a lot, a lot better in other people. I, I can see that. So, what is something that you wish people understood about men and mental health? So, one of the things about men, especially black men, mm-hmm. is we're we're taught, you know, ever since we're little, you know, don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shake it off, whatever it is. Don't be a sissy. Don't be whiny. Don't, you know, all these things. And and I'm a father of a of a, of a son, mm-hmm. and so I get it from a father standpoint. You know, um, you don't want to feed that. Um, you don't want to feed that aspect of, of 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 or that characteristic when it comes to your son. You know, you, you don't want them to be whiny and babyish and, you know, a sissy and all that other kind of stuff. You don't want that. But at the same time, you have to find a balance where you encourage your your your, your son. And I, I mean kids across the board, whether it's, you know, a son or a daughter, but I'm just specifically talking about sons right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to find that balance where you encourage them to express themselves and to be open, but, you know, to not, you know, but to also be tough when they need to be tough, but to be resilient when they need to be resilient, to be able to not whine or cry about everything, but to be able to take a hit, you know, and and be able to get up, shake it off and keep going without necessarily crying about it. Um, so I think with us, you know, we're, we're especially old school, you know, I was born in eighty. So when it came to mental health and things like that, nobody was talking about this stuff in the black community. You know, that that was a different era. Yeah. (laughs) That was a whole different era. That was, that was, you know, I grew up, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, entering the, the gangster rap era, you know? And so it was like the thug era, you know, and, 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 you know, you had to be hard, like nothing had to shake you. Nothing, you know, had to scare you. Nothing, you know, had to make you cry or mm-hmm. like if you cried or showed any kind of uh, fear, like mm-hmm. you're considered a punk, a coward, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And so you had to like really like keep it, you know, all in, mm-hmm. no matter what it was, no matter what the situation was. Um, so now, you know, thank God things are a little bit different. People are more open to the whole mental health um, uh, issue, especially mm-hmm. in our community. But I think that growing up that way, you know, it wasn't beneficial to a lot of us mm-hmm. as black men. It's not beneficial to us because it really, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to to um, to try new things. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stuck in your ways. Yeah. You're, you're, I am who I am. Yeah, yeah. And that whole, and that's another thing. That's, that, that's great that you said that, but that attitude of, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. It can it it can be really negative mm-hmm. because it shows that you're not willing or open to change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you constantly have to be open to change. Like at any point in your life, if you're presented with something that is truth or makes sense or could make you a better person, mm-hmm. you know, what sense does it to say, "Well, I'm this way, so I'm not willing to." Listen to that. I'm not willing to be open to that. I'm not willing to change. Even if it is something that'll make me better, I'm just going to stay how I am. A lot of people are like that when it comes to therapy. Yeah. Like, they refuse to go. I talk to mine every other Friday, mm-hmm. like clockwork. She um, she emailed me once, and I read the email all wrong, and I thought she was trying to get rid of me as a client. <laughs> <laughs> And I was so deep in, I called, was like, wait, hold on, what happened? And she was like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the schedule is changing. I was like, okay, because you can't go nowhere. Like, <laughs> I really need help. And that's and that's typically like people see like, you know, it being like a, a, a thing that's cool for women to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool for women to ask for help. It's cool for women to cry. It's cool for women to to need uh, a shoulder to lean on. Mm-hmm. But when it's a man, it's like... It's against the law. Yeah, you need to you know figure that out. and Figure it out without showing any emotion or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, we as men have to be, you know, more open. And I'm not saying, like, like I'm not a crier. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes something, like, really extreme for me to cry. Okay. But I am very passionate and I feel, I deeply feel, you know, about certain things, certain topics, or certain people. So I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get in my feelings about it. You just ain't gonna cry. I might not cry about it, but it's not like I don't, I don't like stop myself from crying. Mm-hmm. I don't like say like, you know, I'm not gonna cry. It's just that it takes a lot to get me okay. to that point. So and you don't fight it. You I don't just don't it. be openly crying. Yeah, I don't like. Okay. Like when I was, uh, when I had my retirement ceremony, I started speaking about my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I started crying because my kids, and not boo-hoo and like, you know, you know, like that. It's okay if you it's did, like, they're your kids. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But it was just like, you know, I shed a tear because, you know, that's something that, you know, my kids are something that means the world to me, mm-hmm. they, you know, more than anything. So when you start talking, <clears throat> excuse me, when you start talking about your kids and and, and the things that you're, that, that you want for them or experiences that you have for them and just how much you love them and cherish them you know you you just get emotional yeah and so um you know so i'm not against it at all you know what i mean it's just that and everybody has their buttons everybody has their button everybody has their trigger Mm -hmm. you know but 
you know, a lot of men might say that, you know, nothing's worth crying over, but, you know, I think that, um, I don't think that's, that's I don't think that's true. Yeah, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true at all. You just got to hit that right button. Yeah. A lot of dudes be probably crying, you know, when a woman breaks their heart or something like that, they probably be in their room mm-hmm. crying about it or whatever. They ain't gonna never admit to yeah, it. Yeah, ain't gonna never admit it. Ain't gonna never admit to it. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to get off your chest regarding mental health? Regarding your mental health? Um, I would just say that addressing um mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to find their own way to do that. Like the way that I did it, or mm-hmm. what worked for me you know, might not work for somebody else. So. Therapy work for everybody. You think so? Therapy work for everybody. Just get your ass on and talk to a therapist. Therapy work. Well, so, so a therapist can, can not necessarily, uh, a a therapist could just be somebody that you trust or that you're willing to confide in, that Mm -hmm. you're willing to allow yourself to be vulnerable with. And not necessarily a doctor or somebody that you got to go through a healthcare professional to see. Mm-hmm. But also, therapy could mm-hmm. be playing sports. Mm-hmm. Therapy could be, you know, just engaging in a hobby that mm-hmm. that you that you really like. Um, therapy can be like whatever that person wants it to be for them for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people that. No matter what it is, you know, whether it's talking to somebody or doing an activity or confiding in a friend or, you know, a parent or whatever, whatever it is that you're going through, do it because you need an outlet. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, talk about, you know, physical, um, being physically strong and, 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 and all that, but nobody ever talks about being mentally strong. <clears throat> and emotionally strong. And um, I think that's why you see a lot of relationships fail because people have a lot of a lot of underlying issues that make them mentally and emotionally weak. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about anybody else, but I know when it comes to relationships, I refuse to deal with someone who's not mentally and emotionally stable mm-hmm. because that in itself is not trying to get off topic, but that in itself can be that's like, a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. To deal with your own and then to deal with someone else's. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be willing to help your significant other or the person that you're dating or the person that you're with with their issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference between helping somebody who's willing to help themselves mm-hmm. or being with someone who's not willing to address whatever needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm within themselves and now you have to take that on and deal with whatever they're bringing to the table as their significant other or you know their other half or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. but that goes for both men and women because i know men we bring a lot of you know bullshit with us mm-hmm. you know a lot of us we bring a lot of bullshit i, I know i got my own mm-hmm. issues and problems that you know people i've dated or i've been with have had to deal with um, you know, so it could just make that aspect of your life a lot easier when you deal with the stuff you need to deal with. 
um, at least address it, at least find a way to address it and um, keep working through it. If you try something and it doesn't work, don't just, you know, give up and be like, well, you know, it is what it is. But find another way, find another outlet, keep trying, and eventually you'll find what works for you. Sounds good to me. Well, I thank you again for joining me. I'll catch y'all next week.